Good morning, church. Wish I could say it's great to see you this morning. I can't really see you, but uh, you'll just have to take my word for it. But uh, either way, I am grateful that you decided to join us online today. And uh, even though we don't get to see each other today, I'm going to remind us over and over again today that we don't stop being the church today just because we're doing this thing online. And so I do want to thank you for everybody that decided to tune in today. Uh, maybe you're huddled in your living room and you've got family. Maybe you've got some friends around you. Maybe you're flying solo and you're kind of watching this on your phone. Either way, uh, we are expectant and hopeful that God is going to meet us in the middle of this place because I definitely believe he has a word for us. Uh, this morning. And so it's been quite a week, and I just want to acknowledge some of the things that have taken place because it's not just about coronavirus around here at DBC. Uh, the week, week began uh, in a very interesting way. Early on, on Tuesday this week, as many of you know, there was a major tragedy that took place in our neighborhood. I don't uh, want to ignore that by any stretch of the imagination, but many of you caught that on the news, and it left a young mother uh, without two of her children, one a fourth grader at Bowie Elementary School, the other a seventh grader at Park Hill Junior High. Many of you guys have been grieving throughout this week, and you've been coming alongside this mother as she's been grieving as well. And I just want to say, church, we want to be there with you. We are here for you, and uh, we want to continue walking with you through this entire ordeal. Uh, we had grief counselors that were available midweek on Wednesday, and we want to acknowledge that those grief counselors are, are uh, still available if you would like them in the weeks to come. Uh, the church has come around Park Hill Junior High, the teachers that are there, Bowie Elementary as well. And many of you have been involved with the family, and we're going to leave these names out of it for the sake of their privacy. But I just want to say, church, uh, well done. Continue to go around them, love them, support them, and let, let her know that she is not alone in this thing. And uh, we want to be here too. And so that was taking place on Tuesday. As many of you know, coronavirus has come into Dallas-Fort Worth throughout the week. On Thursday, the uh, World Health Organization officially declared the outbreak a pandemic. Dallas County followed that up very, very quickly on Friday with a public health emergency disaster declaration, which essentially said that there should be no gatherings over 500 people throughout the city, entertainment venues, churches, whatever it may be, and they highly recommended that no gatherings take place over 250 people as well. And so that brings us to today where we are doing church together online. Uh, that said, church, I want to make it very, very clear on the very beginning. We are, we are in support of our city officials on this. We recognize, according to Romans 13, we, we are uh, in submission to our governing authorities. We honor them and we respect this decision wholeheartedly. And I just want to say that our gathering today, uh, our gathering today online is coming from a place of compassion for those who are the most vulnerable and not from a place of fear. Church, that's what we are doing today. And I'll tell you this, our elders, we got together Thursday morning and we were making this decision that we were going to be going online this weekend long before the, uh, or the day before essentially the city officials made the exact same decision for us. But this is coming from a place of compassion for those who are most vulnerable to this disease and not coming from a place of fear. Here at Dallas Bible Church, we want to be a part of the solution. We don't want to continue to be a part of the problem. And so I want to just continue to share with you some of where we've been in this whole process before we get into everything here. But we have been tracking this, uh, this pandemic and the spread of corona for a little while now. And when I say tracking, I'm not talking about talk radio and fear-mongering people on TV or on the news or anything like that. We're talking about talking with trusted medical professionals, professionals um, much like Dr. Brad Cutrell, who is a member here at Dallas Bible Church, one of the uh, faithful teachers over in our adult Bible fellowships. Probably more pertinent to this conversation is the fact that he's an infectious disease doctor at UT Southwestern, and he's actually the program director of their entire 
uh, program going on there at UT Southwestern. So he's been a part of these conversations with other medical professionals throughout the city about how this virus is spreading in DFW and some of the best practices for how to curb this whole thing. And so I'll just tell you where it, began, where it really hit home a lot for me. Obviously, it did much earlier on. But when he was just talking about how in all the other major cities around the world, all of the leaders are sitting there and they're regretting the fact that they did not take action sooner, that they did not get on the front end of this thing and shut things down much sooner to curb the spread of the virus that caught my attention. One of the things that they were saying in these conversations uh, that I thought was so true, and I hope it'll resonate with you, but they were just talking about how anything you do before a pandemic is always going to feel extreme. It is always going to feel excessive. But anything that you do on the back end of it is always going to be a little bit too late. And I think that's exactly what we've been seeing play out all around the world. And so we have no problem playing with caution right here. Caution is not the same thing as fear. And I think as you're going to see in our passage a little bit later on, it's actually an act of wisdom that God has given us and one of the means by which he brings us protection in the end. And so we absolutely believe as a church that we have a social responsibility to love not only you, the people that are here at Dallas Bible Church, but all of our surrounding community. We say that all the time, church. We want to be a church that loves all, that helps all follow Jesus and part of the way that we love a broken community, a wonderful, beautiful community around us is by taking seriously some of these things that are taking place today. And so that's what we are doing. Uh, I'm also going to tell you this, that um, we are not concerned at all about going online. In fact, from the very beginning, you've heard me repeat this over and over and over again. One of my uh, goals as a pastor here is to send you out into the community and to recognize that we are not just the church when we gather here together on Sunday mornings from 9 to noon. That's not what the church is in its entirety. We are a universal body of believers that is united through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we have a mission that is greater and bigger than anything we do here on a Sunday morning. My hope as a pastor is that we send an entire church of people out into the community on mission living in such a way that it's going to see Jesus be praised and glorified in the end. It's one of the first things that I wrote up on my board when I was hired here a few years ago. Remain humble, draw near to Jesus, and send my church. And we've been trying to do that ever since. In fact, uh, you, you know this a few weeks from now, we even made this decision that we are going to shut things down here at the church. We would not be gathering on March the 29th because we would be sending you back out into the community to go and be the church in the community where you live for the praise and for the glory of his name. And so not too concerned about having to go online. Uh, in fact, as we've been processing things together as a staff and community and different people around here, um, I might even make the argument that it may actually be better for us to go online right now than, uh, than, than not. Uh, I'm thinking about some of the different things that this is forcing of us if, as a church body. Uh, you think about it like this. Every single large sporting event and entertainment venue all around the country is being shut down. I mean, so th just think about some of the opportunities that this is opening up for us right here and a few different things. But all sports and entertainment venues are being shut down all around the country. Literally, probably one of the greatest gods in America today is completely being silenced. And we don't have the opportunity to go to ESPN any longer and self-soothe unless we want to learn about free agency and what Dak may sign for or something like that. But like, we don't have that opportunity to turn to all these other gods in our country today. Like, we don't have that anymore. We're not going, and, and Little League isn't taking place on Sunday morning. It shouldn't be anyway, right? I really hope it's not, but like Little League isn't taking place on Sunday morning, right? And so there's a lot to be moaned. There's a lot to be cautious about. There's a lot to be concerned about. That's not one of these things. That's one of these things I'm saying, hey, this may be good for us as a church body to fast from these things over here. You think about it like this, like schools are being closed, so sometimes a little bit earlier. 
and families are now being forced to come together and to reestablish relationship, to, to, to talk a little bit longer, to, to connect a little bit longer, and that's going to create its own difficulties there in and of itself. Never, nevertheless, that is an opportunity for families to be coming together and to being together in the middle of this thing. Large cl- churches are closing down, and smaller church gatherings are taking place in homes all around this city, much like the church, first century church. And I would just remind you with this, like the first century church did not, have a, did not have a problem spreading the gospel and impacting the world for the glory of Christ. We don't need the large buildings, although we benefit from them. We, we enjoy them. They, they, they are a great resource for us. However, that is not, uh, they are not more important than the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And every single, really now I'd say this morning, all around our city, small group gatherings of believers are coming together and they're doing exactly this. They're worshiping together and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I believe that what we're going to see here is we're about to see what's real about the church's faith. Every single season of catastrophe, every single season of difficulty is really a winnowing process. It is a cleansing process for us to discover what's true about who we are as a church body, whether or not we really believe these things and what's genuine about our faith. And so here it is, church. We may not be able to be meeting together in the upcoming weeks. However, I'm going to remind you, like, we don't stop being the church. We don't start worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ simply because we're not together. We don't stop singing. We don't stop praying. We don't start be, stop being challenged by God's word. And I'm going to remind you, we do not lose hope in the middle of this season. We don't lose hope in the middle of this thing. Church, the beauty of the gospel is that our hope is not just an eternal hope, right? He is a protector now who is on the front end of this thing fighting on our behalf. Right? He is present with us right now, providing on our behalf right now in the middle of this thing. He is a healer that can come in and bring healing on the back end of this thing, and it's still future. He is a redeemer that can restore all the seasons to come still in the future. Church, that's who our God is. And so we're not without hope this season. That's who our God is. And if that weren't enough, like Revelation is going to come on the scene and say, oh yeah, by the way, Jesus is going to return again. And when he does, he's going to make all things brand new. He's going to bring in a brand new rule and reign that is going to see no more suffering, no more crying, no more tears, no more sin, no more pain. The old things will have passed away and behold, new things have come. And so church, this may not be ideal to be online only for the long term or anything like that. However, we are not a people that are without hope. He has given us a very, very present hope that we can cling to today and to carry us through the weeks and the months possibly ahead. There's a passage I wanted to share with you guys this morning, and really my hope for you is this. I've been praying this over our church really since Wednesday as we've kind of started figuring out things. We're probably going to be going a different direction. But my hope is that you're going to take this passage and that if you're a parent and you've got kids in your home or something, that you're going to read it over them. You're going to meditate on this word of God here together today. And keep it in front of your family in the weeks to come. Uh, maybe you're watching this today. Maybe you're going to write this out. But it's, it's a psalm I wanted us to hold on to during the weeks ahead. But it's Psalm chapter 34. And really what I want to emphasize is verses 4 through 7. But um, the psalm is a psalm written by King David. Um, the inscription at the beginning of this chapter says that when David feigned madness and he was delivered from Abimelech. And so I'm going to remind you, David is not a person who is... Uh, who is uh, who doesn't know what pain is. He's not a person who doesn't know what difficulty is. He, know what tr- he knows what tragedy is. He knows what difficulty is and, and how it circulates around him all the time. And so he writes this psalm in response to some of the ways that God has brought about deliverance. And I want you to notice the kind of language that he uses here to describe the deliverance of God in the middle of this season. Here's what he says beginning in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. 
Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And here it is again. He just simply says he delivers them. The word that he uses there is vachal eshem, which is a Hebrew word, which is essentially is a comprehensive way to talk about the deliverance of God. Simply to say that, that he rescues, that he saves, that he, redeem, that he redeems, and he's still doing it today. And that is the point of this entire psalm, is that he is still a God who protects us on the front end in the beginning of this thing. He's still a God who provides for us with his presence while we're in the middle of this pandemic. He's still a God who's healing on the back end today, and he's still a God who redeems things in the seasons to come here in the future. But that's the entire point of the psalm. A little while ago, I was reading this article, and um, it was about a 15-year-old special needs child who was being bullied every day at her school. Her name was Chai Johnson. She's a freshman at Queen Creek High School in Arizona. But evidently, the bullying had become so bad that her mom was very, very discouraged. They weren't able to stop it through the, uh, through the school principals and everything else that were, that were there. But uh, the bullying got so bad that mom decided to reach out to a family friend who happened to be the quarterback of the football team. So she reaches out to this kid named Carson Jones. He's a starting quarterback for the varsity football team and says, Carson, we need your help. And so Carson does what he does. And he goes and he rallies together the rest of his team. And he calls them together and he makes it known to not only to the team, but to the rest of the school. He says, um, he, he essentially says that if anybody's going to bully Chai Johnson, that they're going to have to go through this team. And so every single day uh, for the rest of the school year, uh, this kid, Carson, and the rest of the football team, they come together and they divvy up their responsibilities and they meet Chai after classes. They walk with her in between, in between her classes. They walk with her home and essentially they guard her for the rest of the day, making sure that she's safe. You can imagine mom is uh, up in arms, like she's, she's just overwhelmed with joy and gratitude for this and she's, she's a wreck just thinking uh, of how grateful she is for Carson and this football team. But there's a beautiful quote from Chai at the end of this article, just simply her saying, I have not had peace at school in a really, really long time. And so I'm just grateful for the friends that see fit to keep me safe and protected all day long. Church, like that's the image that the psalmist is painting for us of our God, of our Lord, of our Savior here today. He's a protector who's on the front end of this thing and he's fighting on our behalf. I love the way Chuck Swindoll talks about this, but he's talking about the things that he's looking forward to in heaven. But he says it like this. He says, one day I look forward to, the, the thing that I look, one of the things that I look forward to most is having my eyes wide open so that I'm able to see all the different ways that God has been protecting me each and every single day when I was completely unaware. And he's just brainstorming. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but he's just going there and just thinking about, I can't imagine all the different ways that he's been with me in the middle of pain, in the middle of tumultuous times, in the middle of uncertainty. And I can't imagine the number of ways that he's already been in front of me, protecting me on a daily basis. There's a fascinating story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where I think you get a picture of kind of what he's talking about right there. But uh, there, there's a, the story is, is a, of King Ar the king of Aram. He uh, there's Elisha who's the major prophet in Israel at this time, but the king of Aram has sent an army to go and to essentially kill Elisha. He's, Elisha's causing a lot of problems for him. He's the enemy of, uh, of Israel at this time. And so he sends an army to go and to capture Elisha. Uh, Elisha's camping out in this old country home there. They've, his army's got, they've got Elisha completely surrounded. And it, you see this scene where Elisha comes out in the morning and he looks out around him and he sees the enemy's army that is completely encamped around him. His servant comes out too, and his servant starts freaking out, getting very, very afraid. And then all of a sudden, Elijah turns to his servant, and he says, don't be afraid, because those who are with us are more than those who are 
against us. And of course, his servants looking at Elijah going, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. It doesn't look like the one, like you and me, I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to handle this army or anything like that. And so Elisha prays this prayer. And he simply says this, he says, Lord, open up his eyes so that he's able to see what you're doing. And then all of a sudden it says that the servant's eyes are wide open and he's able to see the hills that are full of horses and the chariots of fire that are all around Elisha. In other words, the angels of the Lord, the armies, the angel armies of God have come and completely surround Elisha in that time. Point of the matter, church, is I don't think that we can possibly imagine how much he is active in our life every single day and bringing us protection uh, from the different things that, that, that uh, bring us fear today. David's going to continue in verse 4, and he's going to simply say, I sought the Lord, and God answered me. How did he answer him? He answered him by protecting him and delivering him from all of his fears. We don't really know the specifics of how that played out. So we don't know if David's talking about, hey, he delivered me in a supernatural way, kind of like he did with Elisha, all these angel armies and things like that. We don't know if he's talking about that. Really, the only clue that we get from this text is from the superscript there in the very beginning where it says that he feigned madness before Abimelech. And somehow through feigning madness before Abimelech, God is given glory for the protection he received. You see a very similar story of this in 1 Samuel chapter 21. But David is actually fleeing King Saul at this time. And he goes to the king in Gath. And, uh, and he sees to see this king named Ashish uh, over in Gath. Turns out it's a pretty bad idea. David gets there, and the servants of Achish, um, I'm going to mispronounce that all day, the servants of Achish are recognizing David at this time, and they're saying to one another, okay, isn't this David the one who's supposed to be the king? Isn't this David the one that everybody's singing about, the one that everybody's dancing over, and the one that everybody's so excited about, the one that's saying Saul has struck down the thousands, David has struck down the ten thousands? And so all these people are beginning to discover who David is, and it starts to freak David out. He begins a little bit, get a little bit uh, worried and concerned about this. And it says at that point in time, it says that he feigned madness and he pretended to be insane by garbling his speech, by letting drool run down his beard, by running into walls and things of that nature. And so the king says to his servants, the king looks at his servants and he says, you can see that this man is mad. So why in the world have you brought him to me? Like you can see this man is insane. You can see that he's crazy. Why have you brought this man to me? Do I lack madmen uh, that I needed more in my presence? You want this man to come into my house, he says? Take him away from me now. And that's how David is delivered in this situation. Point of the matter, church, is like sometimes he protects us through hidden miracles and things that we're going to discover much later on when our eyes are spiritually open to the number of different ways that he protects us every single day. And then sometimes the protection that he gives us it's through the ordinary decisions that we seem to make every single day of our life. Things like feigning madness before a king when that seems like it's the right thing to do. Or things like taking up a sling and five shiny stones when you need to defend your sheep from an attacking lion or an attacking bear as David did on a number of occasions. Or grabbing a sling and a number of rocks when there is a giant who is mocking your God in front of you. Or by practicing social distance for a time and listening to professional advice that is in place about how to stop the spread of a virus. Either way, no matter if it's the supernatural, miraculous deliverance that Elisha got or by feigning madness in this practical, hands-on thing that we just simply do in and of ourselves, God gets the glory because he's the ultimate protector in the end that is keeping us from the ultimate harm which could be coming our way. And so David just continues in this psalm, verse 7, he simply says, he encamps around those who fear him, church. This is what God does. He encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them by, by giving his presence. He literally says, he sends an angel of the Lord 
and he encamps around those who fear him. So this is not that everyone gets to experience the presence of God. It's not that everyone is going to be delivered from this thing. It's not that everyone's going to get these kinds of things. But, but he's talking about how his presence is reserved for people who actually fear him. It's reserved for people who are in the middle of anxiety and in the middle of fear. And in the middle of that anxiety and fear, they bring those fears before the Lord and they say, hey, yeah, these things are bringing me fear. However, ultimately, first and foremost, my fear is of you. I am here to serve you. In the middle of my fear and anxiety, I'm turning my eyes totally and completely upon you. My heart is for you. All of my ways, they're totally and completely upon you. Like verse 5, he's going to say, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Church, you know why their faces are never covered with shame? It's because he's faithful. It's because he's faithful. that's who he is. Like he's never going to leave you empty handed when you fear him, when you come to him, you look to him, you turn to him, you bring a request to him. He's never going to leave you empty handed. Even if you may be waiting for an extended point in time, even if his response is not what you ultimately would want, church, like he's always going to give you his presence. That answer is tried and true. If you turn to him in fear, giving your eyes and your fixation totally in him, he is always going to respond by giving you his presence. I love how Brother Lawrence talks about this. Brother Lawrence was the 17th a century monk, so he sits around and he thinks about these things all day and he comes up with great quotes. But um, essentially he's, he's, uh, um, he's talking about how sometimes when we're in these seasons of uncertainty and sometimes we may be in these seasons of pain and difficulty, grief, fear, instability, things of that nature. He says when, when you're in the middle of those seasons, we need someone who's strong and compassionate. You don't want either or. You need someone who's compassionate to come and to meet you in the middle of your grief and to let you cry, let you be with them, let you ask questions. You need that compassion in seasons of grief. But you also need someone who's strong, someone who's going to be able to carry you in the middle of that pain, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the difficulty, and carry you through that time of grief into where he wants you to be. And essentially what he's saying, church, is like that's who our God is. He's not only a God who is compassionate, and he's not just a God who is strong. He's a God who is perfectly compassionate, and he's a God who is perfectly strong at the exact same time. And so he is present with you in your pain, in the uncertainty, in the grief, in the anxiety, and he's strong enough to carry you through all the way. Church, I mean, I'll never forget my conversation with Marcy Hamlin just a few weeks back, and she's given me permission to share this uh, as often as I can for the praise and glory of his, of his name. But um, we were processing what was taking place at the Fenchers, and we've, you've heard me share these stories up here if you were around the church for the past few weeks, but essentially um, there was another tragedy that took place here, and, um, and uh, it, it, it impacted a family. Very, I'll just kind of leave the, the, the details out there, but um, she's processing through this whole thing and how to deal with Elias Fencher, deal, essentially kind of dealing with the same thing that, that her daughter went through about a year ago. And I was amazed at the the ways that she was able to rise up and to go to the hospital and to not just grieve and sit sit on the side, but she was able to go to the hospital and care for the Fenchers in the middle of their grief. She was able to go and pray for them with hope and with optimism and with a genuine desire to see Elias healed and saved in the middle of this thing. And I was sitting there talking with her, um, just saying, Marcy, how, how do you do this? How do you hold on to such hope in this thing? And she very simply said, Aaron, I would not have been able to do this had you asked me to do this four months ago. I would not have been in that place. I would not have been in that place. In fact, four months ago, there was another thing came up and I was angry and I was upset. I didn't understand why God brought healing to this kid over here, but not to my kid or anything. I, don't, I didn't understand these things. And she goes, Aaron, quite honestly, I would not have been able to respond uh, this way four months ago if you would have asked me to. However, the reality is that God has met me in the middle of my grief 
He has, he has met me in the middle of my grief. He has sat with me for a long amount of time, and he has carried me through and taken me out of this grief to this place where I'm able to stand on solid ground, and I'm able to bring uh, hope and a ministry calling to uh, the families that are also going through very, very similar things. Like I'm telling you, church, like there's hope for today. Like that's who God is. It's not just an eternal hope that one day in the future he's going to come back and make everything right. No, no. He's given you his presence right now. And it's a strong presence and it's a compassionate presence who can come in and he can meet you where you are and he can carry you through to where he wants you to be. Church, that's the hope that we have today. He's not just an eternal God. He is a present God who is with us right now. He's a protector on the front end. He is present with us, providing for us in the middle of the whole thing. And if that's not good enough, church, we know that he is still here healing today. Like that's not done. On the back end of this thing, how it, things go as bad as they could be, he is a God who can come in and he can bring healing today. Church, Elias Fincher should not be alive today. The reality is we're celebrating the work of God here over the past few weeks because he should not be alive today. However, he's still a God who is healing. He's still a God who is breaking into our realities today and he is doing things to bring about his glory and he chose to bring healing in that time. Like Gilbert, I'm thinking of Gilbert at our men's retreat, Gilbert Tavera. This is last weekend, he gets up there and he shares this testimony. The do- he's sitting in the hospital room and the doctors are simply saying, like, we have to amputate your leg. We have to take care of your leg. Somehow Brian Radabaugh gets connected with him and he goes back over to the hospital and he prays over his foot, which is miraculous in and of itself that Brian would touch a foot. It just doesn't really happen very much. Nevertheless, it's exactly what took place. He's in there and he's praying over his foot. And when he comes back in and staff, we're praying for him as well. He's got an entire community around him praying for healing. And like by, like by God's grace and by his power, he's walking into this church. He's actually walking on that foot today. Church, the doctors are still sitting there saying like he should not be walking. However, our God is not a God who is distant and void. Our God is a God who is present right now and he's still, he's still healing today. Church, Sydney Valley should not be here today, but he is a God who meets us where we are and he's still a God who's healing today. I mean, church, we we know this about who God is. We've seen some of the things that he can do. And here it is, church, like even if the answer is no, even if the answer is not yet or it's going to take a lot of time, like even if there's fallout from everything that's going on today, church, like we know that he's a redeemer in the seasons to come. We know that that's who he is. we, we, We know that he's exceptional. He's really, really, really good at taking things that are broken, taking people that are hurting, and breathing life into them in such a way that he creates something new and beautiful in the end. And so I just want you to see where the psalmist is taking us in this psalm. He points us to verse 8. And here's, how we kind of, here's where I want to wrap it up. He simply says in verse 8, church, like, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, like, don't take my word for it right now. Don't just listen to this video at some point in time and, like, like taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. Like, I could tell you all day long about the bone-in filet mignon that I had at Old Hickory Steakhouse and how incredible it was. I was able to take a fork and I was able to do that thing right there. It falls apart, the most delicious steak in the world. But, you know, the reality is, like, that's just something you've got to taste for yourself. And it's exactly what the psalmist is saying right here. He's saying, church, taste and see in this season that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he's good. And then he says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. And church, I would remind you of that exact fact. We lack 
nothing in Jesus Christ. He has not left us empty-handed. He has not taken off. He is not far away. He is not distant and unknowable. He is not unseen. He is not unheard. We have everything we need to thrive in life and faith right now. He has given us his word, and he has given us his Holy Spirit. He is a protector on the front end of this thing. He is a provider in the middle of it. He is a healer on the back end, and he is a redeemer in the seasons to come. And so let's go and let's be the church in the season to come. Let's be, let, let, let this be a season where we walk by faith and we don't walk by fear. I've been hearing how many of you have already been doing this, and I just want to celebrate that with you here today, but we've already been getting emails from so many different small group leaders here in the church that have been asking for ways that they can serve our older community, knowing that an older community here at DVC is the community that is most vulnerable. And they've been emailing in and saying, we want to be a small group. We'll mobilize our group, and we want to go buy groceries for you. We want to help clean homes. We want to help do errands and things like that that some of our older people may not be able to go do. And church, that's exactly what I would encourage you to do in this season. Would you go and would you be the church? Would you look for ways that you can serve? Uh, We've designated Brian Radabaugh to be the contact right now. So if you're watching this and you're sitting at home and you're saying, yeah, um, I do need help. I'm not able to get out to the grocery stores. I'm not able to go get any food. I'm not able to get any supplies. I really need some help in different ways. Brian can be your first contact. It's just brian at dallasbible.org. If you're angry about anything, I'll always tell you. You can, you can reach out to him also. But uh, he's going to be your first point of contact. Uh, if you're a small group and you've got resources and people that can come and help out in different ways, Brian is also going to be your contact for that. And we want to be a church that rises up, that we continue to be the church, even though we're meeting together online. Go and do that. Look for ways to serve. I also want to encourage us, would you, would you go and would you actively love your community during this season? Don't just hunker down inside your home. Be safe. Follow the safety protocols that are around you. Like, don't push the envelope. Let's honor our governing authorities and things like that. Let's honor those things. And in doing so, church, we have to understand that is the way that we are going to love and honor our community. We've always said we want to be a church that is in our community that's for the good of our community. And this is one of the very practical ways that we can go and we can do this in, our, in, our, in this unique season that we're in. Last thing I want to call us to do is just to, um, I want to call us to pray. And this has been the season that we're in really since uh, August especially, but I want to call us to pray. Come to find out this is actually a national day of prayer. So maybe you have to pray. I don't know how that works out or anything, but um, I want to call us to be a church that prays. We believe that God hears our prayers, which we've already seen in this text in Psalm 34 over and over again. He hears our prayers. He responds to our prayers. And so let's pray and let's ask God to move. Let's pray specifically in these ways that he would be our protector on the front end, that he would be present and providing for us in the middle of this whole thing, that he would be a healer on the back end for anyone who may get an infection, um, and that he would be the ultimate redeemer in the seasons to come. And so with that in mind, it may be weird for you if you're sitting in your living room or wherever you may be. I'm going to invite you to bow and to pray with me right now. I'm going to pray for us first, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of space and quietness. Uh, If you've got a family, you've got a small group or somebody that you're there with, would you take a minute and just designate somebody in your room to pray out loud for the thing that I'm going to be praying for? But with that in mind, I just want to invite you to bow with me, and uh, we'll go to the Lord together. But Father, we do love you and we praise you. God, we give you honor. We give you glory. We thank you, God, that the hope that we cling to today isn't just an eternal hope, although that would be sufficient. But Father, you've given us these promises. You promised to be with us protecting us on the front end. You promised to be here, present with us, in the middle of it, full of compassion, full of, const- full of strength. You've shown us time and time again that you are a healer 
on the back end of this thing if it goes really bad. And Father, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are a redeemer who can make beautiful things out of things that were once broken. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would come and you would do exactly that. Father, would you protect us on the front end? God, that this, that this, that corona would stop spreading. God, that you would stop it right now. That no lives would be lost here in Dallas where it is. God, I pray that it would stop right now in Jesus' name. For the people that are afraid, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be present with them. God, that you would alleviate their fear, that they would take a profound confidence in you and recognize we don't have to live by fear right now. We can live confidently by faith. God, would you meet those people in the middle of that thing? Father, we do praise you and thank you that uh, you don't leave us alone. And so, Lord Jesus, we cling to you in this season and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Make your name great among your people today. Make your name great in this community. Would you rise, Lord Jesus, above our comforts, above the things that we're missing right now, would you rise? So church, wherever you are, I just want to encourage you right now. I'm just going to take a minute of silence and would you pray right now for protection? And we're going to leave it at that. Would you just pray for protection over this city, over your family, over your group, the people that are around you? Would you just pray for protection right now in Jesus' name? Father, your word reminds us that you're like a mighty fortress for those who are in need. God, would you come and would you be that mighty fortress of protection for us right now in our time of need, we pray. Church, wherever you are, would you pray right now for his presence and his people? Maybe you don't fear him. Maybe you're fearing the disease. Maybe you're fearing uncertainty. Maybe you're fearing a stock market collapse or whatever it may be. And that's the thing that's elevated in your mind and your heart right now. Would you return to him? Would you come and you fear him? And would you just say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you be present in our pain? Would you be present in our uncertainty right now? So would you just take a minute and pray for his presence right now in Jesus' name? Father, your word assures us that you're the divine healer. You literally speak and universes come into being. You touch blind eyes. You touch the lame, they're able to walk. Father, certainly there is nothing beyond your power or your ability. And Father, you even give us permission to ask of you great things. 
You say the prayers of a righteous person can accomplish much. And so, Jesus, we come to you, and we want to ask for healing right now. On behalf of the people all around the world who are in sickness right now, they're not certain whether or not they're going to be healed. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch them and that you would bring them healing in Jesus' name, that you would receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise that you're due. And so, church, right now, wherever you are, would you take a minute, would you pray for divine healing? that people who are sick right now, that it would stop where it is, that it would not lead to death, that there would be healing that comes and takes place right now. Let's pray for that healing together. Lastly, we want to acknowledge that he's a redeemer. And Father, that is what we're praying for right now. Well, God, would you bring redemption to our world? God, I pray that you would redeem the brokenness that's in our community, not just as a result of corona, but God, would you bring redemption, praise, would faith arise in our community? God, would the gospel flourish? Would churches grow and expand? Father, would genuine faith rise to the surface, Lord Jesus? And I pray that you bring healing to our community. And so church, wherever you may be, would you pray for redemption in the end? If there's brokenness, there's a fallout that takes place right here. God, would you come and make something beautiful out of that which was previously broken? God, would you bring spiritual renewal here? Even though we're dealing with physical loss and physical problems right now, God, would you bring spiritual renewal, re revival on our land as, as it's raining outside today. Father, I pray that you would rain your Holy Spirit on this land, that you would bring revival and healing to this land again. So God, would you come and redeem things that are broken wherever you are. Let's pray for redemption in Jesus' name. Father, we do love you. We stand here confident today because we know who you are. We know that there's nothing beyond your power and ability. We know how deep and how wide your love is for us. God, we know your plans. We know that they're good. We know that they're perfect. And so, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would fill us with confidence, Lord Jesus, since we know who you are today. Would you go before us, be our protector in all these different things. Would you bring about praise? for your son, Jesus Christ, through this all. God, we love you. We look to you today. Pray that faith would rise up all around this nation. God, would you do that? We need you. We absolutely need you, Lord God. We're not just physically sick. We're spiritually sick. We are lost and dead in our sins. And in the middle of that place, God, you still loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live the sinless life of perfection that none of us were able to live. And you willingly went to the cross and you suffered and you bled and you died, not as an example of how we should live sacrificially, but because we needed that payment. God, we needed that payment. We needed our sins forgiven. Father, you walked out of the tomb alive, proving you have power over sin and death, that you are the son of God. You are the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, God, and you've given us this gift of eternal life. 
to any and all who would simply come to you in genuine faith. God, I pray for anyone who's watching in today that never trusted you, they've never given their life to you or said yes to Jesus being Lord of my life. God, I pray right now that they would come to faith. God, that they would bow a knee to you and that all these things that we've talked about, all these promises would be true, that they would experience the joy of your presence now and for all of eternity. And so Jesus, would you come and have your way? And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen and amen. Church, I just want to tell you I love you guys. Miss seeing you guys this week, but uh, we will be in touch online. I hope you stay connected there. And uh, we will be doing this again next Sunday. I want to invite you wherever you are. We're going to sing one more time. And so if you want to stand and sing with us, that'd be great.